Hey everybody, it is Video Night Beyond, as you can tell from the song. I didn't even need to say it. There's a song intro right before this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm uh, Michael. That's John on the other side. Beyond, everybody. How's it going? God, he, uh, you tolerate my bullshit. It's amazing. It's been a couple years that you're tolerating my bullshit. <laughs> I'm a ridiculous, ridiculous man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. I mean... Totally, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have a cartoon character come to life, I swear to God. All right, so uh, the four movies we're going to be discussing, we are now in 1982, and yes, there was a plethora, I used to fancy word, kids, a plethora um, of sci-fi movies to choose from 1982. We can only choose four, and what are the four that we chose? We did The Dark Crystal, Beastmaster, Tron, and Blade Runner. Now, two of these I know by heart. I didn't need to watch again, even though I started watching Beastmaster uh, and about halfway through right now of the new Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, which is fucking gorgeous. Have you seen it? Their exquisite collection? I have not. Oh my god, it's in like a hardbound book, and you open the book up and out comes the case with a, a, a mini book, which is like 20 pages long, about the history of Beastmaster, and then inside... It has uh, original art on the uh, on the original book cover, or whatever. But it also has uh, let me go grab it real quick. Um, but it's it's a 4K Blu-ray, and it's also a new version of uh, Beastmaster. See what happened was is uh, the original film elements were lost. The, they, I guess they were lost in a fire or something like that. But they found the old inner positive, and they took a new scan of it. But not everything transferred over properly, so they did they redid some of the special effects, which is. Mind-boggling for a movie that bombed in 1982. <laughs> Someone put this kind of money into. <laughs> well, if you love something that uh, that much, you're definitely willing to put some money into it. Yeah, it's the history of this is a little weird, or the box office history. It it cost nine million dollars, and I've seen sources say it only made three and a half million, and it was barely released by MGM. And then I've seen other sources say it made fourteen million dollars, you know, in the U.S. Whatever over slow drive-in and then you know Saturday night features. So I have no idea if it was a hit or not. But fourteen million really isn't that much profit over nice. But it blew up on video and cable and. Oops. Okay, everybody, we had a glitch. Sorry, my. Uh, well, you explain it. <laughs> well, what we got uh, shut down by the man, you know. He doesn't want us talking about Beastmaster. They want us Everybody knows it's the secret yeah. of the universe. <laughs> where was I before that happened? I'm sorry, but I got embarrassed. Oh, uh, but but well, it's it's one of those where it, the joke was, hey, HBO is, hey, Beastmaster's on. Then TBS became the, the Beastmaster station. And it was just one of these cult phenomenons because it just got aired so much. This hasn't really happened anymore. Where movies that don't do well just get constant circulation and end up becoming cult hits. What's the last time you remember anything like this? Let's see. That got something that got circulation became a hit. Uh, well, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of. It's got to be one of those like indie horror films or something like yeah, that. Well, know. I was thinking maybe Pop Star never stop never stopping because that didn't do well in theaters, but it's become like kind of a, a cult following on video. I guess uh, not. Not one I particularly would care for. Yeah, I didn't really care it, for either. Like, but it's teach their own. Well, it's like the same same thing can be said about like Repo the Genetic Opera, which I'm like the one person I know who likes it. <laughs> and I think you're right. but it seems but it seems to be a film that does have 
a following. Just that, nobody you, you know. know. <laughs> yeah, just just in my circle of friends, I'm the only person who gives a crap. But yeah, it used to, but this was true. a common occurrence back then. In the 80s, if it showed up on HBO on a regular basis and it didn't do well in theaters, it was a hit and everybody remembers it. Like this and Eddie and the Cruisers, Legend of Billie Jean, stuff like that. Chud. <laughs> um, but I think I think the reason this one works so well is because it's not a kid's movie. It's borderline, but also you have to play by the 1982 rules where there's a little bit of nudity, there's a little bit of blood, but it's, I mean, obviously it'd be PG-13 or maybe R now because times have changed so much, but when you edit those yeah, little, I, when you edit those little, little PG go ahead. PG I'd say it's PG-13. Yeah. If you edit out those little bits and pieces the way they did on TBS, so everybody could watch it. And it's just one of these things that grew with time, and I absolutely adore this film. Um, there's only two Soren Sorcy movies, I think, from the 80s that are legitimately, like, good. There's some that are interesting that are flawed, but I think it's Conan the Barbarian and Beastmaster, the only ones that I would hold up in the upper echelon. Like, Lady Hawk and Legend are almost great. But the, and the rest of them, I think, are just kind of garbage. Yeah, I put Lady Hawk over this one, but that's this is also the first time I saw it, too. Like This is the first time you've saw... seen Beastmaster? You've been on this planet for how many yeah. years? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's the uh, I. Part of it is I've I'm pretty sure I've seen the sequel because uh, it just being a weird time travel thing that kind of made me th- would have made me think of He Man. Yeah, oh, also aired seen... on, H- on uh, TBS constantly as well. Yeah, so I might have seen the sequel. Yeah, I, you know, I, I funny... totally remember trailers. And I, stuff I made fun of you for this, but uh, full and clear. Uh, uh, I am a hypocrite because I had never seen Dark Crystal until now. So what am I talking about? Yeah, and and things I did enjoy watching this, although it's it is a just a goofball of a film. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> like, strange. You got a horror director basically, but who had done a couple kids movies before Phantasm, but he's bringing that aesthetic to sword and sorcery, and that's my favorite thing about real good sword and sorcery is that it has the horror elements. I like Willow, but I mean, there's stuff in it I think is a little generic and too family friendly. But if you look at the, the like a lot of what we loved about reading those pulp novels, you know, the Robert Howard being, of course, the big guy in that genre, is that it had horror elements. Now, there's one thing I definitely thought of because you you mentioned Conan, and I had to look it up because I'm going, was this film inspired by Conan? Because there's definitely a part that is almost literally. A, you know, it's like Dar gets his sword and he's doing his little... I'm, right. Well, I'm, and his village I'm, is attacked right. and his father is killed and they have the religious priest and his cult. There are similarities, but they're they're almost simultaneous. Didn't this actually come out like two months prior, maybe? Or am I wrong? No, it came out... It did come out after. But uh, this had like a five and a half month uh, production, I guess. And like during this production, Conan came out. Oh, so. no, it was Sword and the Sorcerer that came out before Conan the Barbarian and actually made more money than any other Sword and Sorcery film at that time. And that movie is trash. <laughs> it's entertaining trash, but it's trash. It's a, this movie where our hero is supposed to have a panther. He has a tiger that's just painted black. Yeah. There's there's stuff here and there that doesn't work. Um, there, You know the sequence in the nope. very beginning when they're attacked by the bear? 
There's something weird about the filming of this. Do you remember when they used to take widescreen and compress it down for VHS and it had that weird pan and scan look? That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's ultra grainy and it's pan and scan and I don't know why. Something must have gone wrong with the original shot. Yeah, it, it's also it just... It was hard to tell what was going on because this villager gets... Basically, it, it, the villager gets attacked by a the woods. It's being attacked by the evil dead first. Right, yeah, or a tremor's worm. Because the guy's getting sucked into the forest, not like he's being attacked by a bear. He's literally being, like, vacuumed in. So, yeah, it... And those are the horror elements, but there's stuff in this that I think is really interesting that he, you know, pulls out visually. The witches are horrifying. Those bat creatures are really creative. A lot of the money is actually put into the special effects. Um, which you can't say really for the movies that came after this because it was like Roger Corman or Italian knockoff horse shit that only had like a four hundred million or four hundred thousand dollar budget. Yeah, that's that's kind of the problem is that yeah there is at least some money that that go, went into this and it yeah maybe it didn't make its money back or or if it did make its money back it was definitely overtime. Yeah, but the the problem is this all this movie does go twenty minutes too long. Because our hero goes, he kills the bad guy, he you know saves the saves everybody, and then they still have to fight the other bad guy. Yeah, um, yeah. So he has to kill. Rip Torn is absolutely weird and, and amazing in this movie. Um, but yeah, he after he defeats him, he has to battle those uh, that giant bat headed guy and in his troop. Yeah, and it's like they were kind of uh, Rip Torn's minions, I guess, and shouldn't they have just all been there at the same fight? Right, or so, you know, or that those they should have been taken out first. I don't know. Maybe they had it flip flopped because the one like, uh, sequence is more exciting than the other. I don't know. Yeah, it well, it, it had to have been done that way because it's he's literally sitting on this on the steps of that uh, that little uh, tower, and he's just oh. Oh, I won. Yeah. Hey, yeah. look, we got to go fight the the guys again. Who the fuck built that stupid thing? There is no way they climbed up that. That thing is so steep, and the steps are so narrow. I can't believe that you know cast members just weren't severely injured or killed. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the, they have that shot at, from the top of it going down, or everyone's. We got uh, Dar and uh, the woman going down, and I swear, I was a, I was genuinely afraid that they were going to fall yeah <laughs> it's terrifying um but yeah i think it's a highly entertaining film of course i've seen it like a bazillion times i love his interactions with the animals and he has like a goofball charm he's like the only sword and sorcery guy besides like mad martigan that had kind of a sense of humor yeah mark i, I really did like mark singer in this you know he's he is i don't think he's necessarily acting well or at least if he is like vocally or if he is, he's whatever reason he's doing his voice. Something would he either he was overdubbed after the fact, or uh, just in general he just wanted to be. I'm speaking in a tough guy voice. Yeah, it's you know the funny thing about him is he's the opposite of what you usually see in these movies, where it's big, burly, like they're all Conan style. Whereas he was really thin and athletic and tall, and he had kind of a nasally, higher-pitched voice than most of these guys. Yeah, it, it, he's in definitely an unconventional 
version of that hero. But then again, you also brought up Mad Mardigan, so kind of as Mad Mardigan, kind of comes off a little more maybe realistic in some cases since he's not he's not Conan. He's not a slave who you know became a uh, a pit fighter and stuff like that who kind of needed to be needs to be muscular. Right. He's a he's a farmer. Yeah, he's a he's a runner or swimmer kind of build. So. And I love him on V, and if this got him V, then so be it. <laughs> Sadly, his career really didn't go anywhere after after V. It just went off into like soap operas and direct-to-video movies. Yeah, it, a lot of it's because he's just, everyone, he is odd-looking. He really is. Well, we do have our heroine who uh, did end up going into a James Bond film. This so. is true. Tanya Roberts, maybe the worst Bond girl of all time. She's fine in this, I think. This also probably led to Sheena, which I think is, uh, it's, it's okay. Everybody says it's like one of the worst movies ever, and I think it's okay. Well, one of those films that maybe they could do a reboot of like they're doing with Red Sonja. Yeah. Speaking of, both of those ended up being TV shows that were syndicated. Mind you, I think the Beastmaster show is way better than Sheena, but Sheena isn't horrible. <laughs> yeah, don't know. I haven't seen that one, but I... Again, the first time I saw anything of Beastmaster was that pilot episode. Yeah, and we discussed that last year on another show, Next Planet Over. Um, okay, so time for our second film. Uh, which one do you want to go with next? Well, how about we do the one you hadn't seen before, okay. Dark Crystal. Stay in the fantasy realm. Dark Crystal threw me off. I saw bits and pieces, and something about it grossed me out, and I just couldn't get into it. Those guys are disgusting, and I think the Elflings, what are they called? Oh, the Gelflings? Gelflings. Uh, those puppets are weird, and I don't like looking at them. <laughs> it's just, uh, any any time they try to make a Muppet uh, with humanoid kind of look on their face, it doesn't work for me. They have to be animalistic or alien or something. Ah, it's there. This is such a well. Okay, I should still say even if you don't like the look of it, how was the film? It was okay. I got bored. It's, it's see, I held off on this in Labyrinth forever. I realize Labyrinth is fantastic. This one, it lost steam for me halfway through, and it never picked it back up. Well, the thing is, I, with this film, and part of it is, yeah, it's a bit of a nostalgia thing, but, like, shit like the Emperor, uh, the death of the Emperor at the beginning of the film, that, like, screwed with my head so much, because yeah. that puppet, not only is it hideous, it's like this weird skeletal, you know, vulture creature, but... When it, it disintegrates and everything, too, and it's just like, you know, it's always kind of like, ah. Yeah, it, it's it's a really mm. interesting effect. I think the movie is gorgeous in its production design. I believe it was Brian Froud working with Jim Henson on this one <clears throat> and, and uh, Frank Oz. And I, I started getting into the world and stuff like that. And for some reason, it just bogs down because I don't care about the Gelflings. They're not interesting. The bad guys are the ones that are interesting. I just... They just that's that's a curse of the fantasy genre. A lot of times, is the villains are more entertaining than the hero. Yeah, that is that is true. And the the prop well, part of this was originally this film was supposed to be, uh, well, in foreign languages. So there be there was a mystic and a Skeksis language, and all the characters were going to be speaking in that, and eventually, you know. But effectively, they were never supposed. You're supposed to understand what they were saying. And what ended up happening is there was some test screenings that did not go over so well. <laughs> I imagine not. <laughs> not back then. So people, 
they decided they had to go and quickly translate everything and then match match it to the, how they had the uh, mouth movements go. So we are kind of getting a weirdly distilled version of the original concept. Yeah, it's a cult phenomenon. But, this has this had the sequel series yet on Netflix? I think it did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. The sequel series did come out. Well, prequel. Oh. And I guess there's going to be another uh, another uh, season of it at some point. Hmm. Yeah, but, I'm okay yeah, the with the movie, but I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Yeah, the puppetry in this is something to be behold because you got the Skeksy suit, you got the Mystic suit, uh, the uh, the weird crab monster, crab people. Holy crap! Though that was nightmare inducing. I saw that and I was like, oh no, oh I don't. I'm having spider nightmare, you know, kind of thing going on. I did not like that. Yeah, it, there's like so much. It's yeah, the, the where the film I think does kind of get bogged down is sort of in between where our uh, hero our hero meets uh, the girl Gelfin Kira, and then you get like the the land striders, which are probably the worst looking effect in the film. It's like that little section, like maybe ten or fifteen minutes between that and then getting actually getting to the. Uh, the castle yeah i think that's kind of where pacing slows down way too much and if you lose me i'm add and i have too many distractions and i apologize i just yawned on air um for me it was just that i couldn't come back from it but i'm just so disappointed you have not have been having seen this when it was uh new and fresh yeah i had um god it was like a big case and it had a bunch of cassettes in it and little booklets that would go along with it you know the little books on tape we used to have as kids um and dark crystal was one of those it was like star wars and indiana jones and all those at the time like black hole and i remember dark crystal was one of them and i honestly could not tell you if i ever even listened to it i just didn't care and i don't know why i love the muppets it's so weird well it's definitely the least muppety muppet movie because even even Legend is much more Muppety than this. This one is like it dark as hell. It's a Do you mean a, Labyrinth? Because I don't remember any puppets in Legend. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Labyrinth. Okay, I was like, did I watch the wrong movie? Is there another cut? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant, meant Labyrinth, not Legend. But yeah, there's more in... Uh, dark Crystal's more like Legend than that even Labyrinth would be because yeah. it's, like I said, it's a dark movie, not necessarily a, oh, hey, we're going to go on an adventure and have goofiness happen. Because there's goofy things, you know. You have the little little critter, critter wannabe uh, fizz gig. Yeah, it's almost impossible yeah, to have a Jim Henson movie without some sort of goofiness. But, yeah, it's, but for the most part, this film is just like a straight, you know, straight dark, you know, dark drama more than anything else. I was just thinking how ridiculous it would be. <laughs> Jim Henson's platoon. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he well, would have moments in that day. No matter what you give him, there would be something unusual. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> well, that's, well, that's the thing. Isn't It's like a, uh, okay, on, on Twitter, it's like, re- take a film and replace all the all the characters in it except one with Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, now I want to watch platoon Muppets. Tom Berenger played by Sam the Eagle. <laughs> 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 oh. 
right. <coughs> let's, let's go into the third movie. Sorry. I have a coughing fit. Well, let's see. How about Tron? Tron, another one I don't have to see again, but I'm going to tell you this. As the years go on, I'm no longer wowed by the special effects that are groundbreaking. The story I'm finally understanding is kind of weak, and I will take the legacy of the sequel over that any day. I will. I'll actually agree with you on that. Uh, and most of it's the score. The problem, Let's all just admit to it. It's the score. <laughs> oh my god, Tron is such a boring movie. It is, but it's, it's trying so hard to be. At the time, it's amazing. There's oh. some stuff that works. the The bike chase always works. What do you call that? Uh, the um, oh, the light cycles. Yeah, the light cycles that always works. But there's some stuff in there that just drags. And it seems so stiff now. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a movie ahead of its time. Because if you think Blade Runner is exciting, well, I mean, for the same reasons that Tron can be exciting is that it was trying something new and not entirely successful in one way or another. Uh, Tron ended up becoming slowly a hit, and Blade Runner took forever to become a hit um, on video, but both were considered failures at the time. Well, yeah, but the the problem is Tron is... And it started... I don't know if it necessarily started this, but it's definitely one of the first films that basically just goes, computers are magic. It's like, we don't understand what happens in a computer, so we're just going to make everything seem so, you know, fantastical. Yeah. And I'm, because part of it's that, like, okay, so this company, its master control program, which was a chess program, but now has somehow become Skynet <laughs> is now going to take over it, it's plotting to take over both the Pentagon and the Kremlin but it's stealing programs that, not just from its own inner network but apparently from an arcade <laughs> it's like it's sort of going okay I, I know there was like DARPA net and stuff like that I know there was a precursor to the internet but this is make this kind of like uh, invented the internet much like uh, in as much as like William Gibson did. You know, by no, this we all know Al Gore and... invented the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's it's making this internet you know, like like I said, like the MCP is a virus or something, and it's infecting the internet or trying to, and it's just like I'm sort of watching this going. That's not how things work, or at least definitely not how things worked then. But it's also, like, Flynn has no real purpose in this movie. No, not really. Aside from, like, He's just an observer. He's like, the everyman that comes in. We could have we could have easily not had Jeff Bridges' character, and the film, 90%. Would have not changed. Like we could find some way around two of the obstacles at the end of the at the end of the film. Sure, but heck, only one really. And yeah, it's you could have had him as a as a real world uh, archetype helping Tron or something like it's that. It's so weird that Tron. That... It's named Tron, and yet Tron sits back in both movies. Tron doesn't have anything to do. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's the vil- He's one of the villains in it, but it's yeah. There's no 
we spend so much time with Flynn in this. Hell, one third of the film happens before they even get into the computer. I mean, there's a couple of little, little bits, like at the beginning, but a third of this film has nothing, you know, really kind of sets up the point, but damn, it takes forever to get to, oh, we're, we're have our computer adventure. And I'd rather have the computer adventure. Yeah. If we're going to do But this. it's also like, as time's gone on, you realize how slow that adventure is. Yeah. But it's like this, and of course, Black Hole, which is also boring as hell. God, Black Hole sucks. I know. Um, I, that was another one where I had the book of, and I was like, this looks so exciting. And I thought, this isn't that exciting. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Yeah, it's like, I I do like that, that this film did did try to do something. Yeah. And as much as I thought Tron Legacy was boring as well, on a rewatch I felt, okay, no, I, I enjoy this more. Okay, I can get behind computerized Jeffrey just because he's supposed to be a, an electronic character. He's, he shouldn't look normal. Right, that's the Everyone one thing you can say about that. this where you can't say that about Last Starfighter as much as I love that movie. It doesn't work visually because it's not in a computer world. You're suppo- it's supposed to be photorealistic, and I'm like, nope, no. Yeah, well, and that's and that's it's like part of me goes, where are these pegs from, and why were they programmed into the computer? Because apparently, I, I can get I can get where the where they got the little flying machines, but they have like the solar sail, and they have these tanks, and what the hell are they supposed to be? Right. It's like, well, its own internal logic is very flawed. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was it was a company looking to do something groundbreaking, not so much, uh, uh, you know, plot-wise strong. They were looking to wow you, yeah. but only in one way. Yeah, and you did see Pac-Man, right? No. Wait, what? Oh, you missed you missed the Pac-Man cameo? No. When was this? Oh, it's uh, when the light cycles break out uh-huh. uh, on the when our villain's looking at the little screen. If you look to the to his right, the largest day it's huge is Pac-Man and a bunch of power pellets. God, I never he's, noticed he's, that. Wow, pac hes not running the maze or anything, but he's sitting there. He's waka 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 waka, <laughs> and you got power pellets and everything. It, yeah, it. It's those things where the moment that you see it, you can never... <laughs> I'd have to look for that. You know, speaking of groundbreaking, uh, what we mentioned earlier is Blade Runner and everything and that holds up. And I finally made it the whole movie without falling asleep because I'm an adult. <laughs> My attention's been getting a little bit better. <laughs> Before, though, okay, I was just which like... Version, what? Which version did you watch, though? I finally watched the what the, the final cut, the director's cut. Yeah, the because that's the thing. Final cut, I think, is the best cut. There's a good reason why this film tanked and no one liked it originally, because that the original cut with the narration sucks. Yeah, that's yeah. what he sounds like. He sounds so excited. He sounds like he's miserable. Like they just forced him to do it. That's what happened. That's why he. That's why he sounds so terrible. Is he didn't want to do it, so he put in the least amount of effort <laughs> to of record course. to record it, and it's just kind of a fuck you, I don't want to do this. I shot the film. I don't know what the hell happens in it. Stop trying to make me explain it. Yeah. I think, it, I can't believe how good the special effects hold up. He didn't go back and touch them up, did he? Uh, there is one touch up, and that is uh, 
when they kill Zora, and you know she's running through the plate glasses and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they had to redo that scene. She reshot it, you know, years years later because you could very obviously see the stunt person crashing through the glass. Oh, okay. So they reshot it so she basically now. Map, you know, looks like she's supposed to when she gets shot and killed. Oh, what, did they digitally map it on her face, or did you? They uh, literally they, get her back into that at, in her her sixties and do it. Oh, yeah, they got her. They got her physically back to Holy go running shit. through. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure she's not running through plate glasses. I'm sure that's matted on, but she's in the same costume, running through, <laughs> running through a hallway of some kind. Wow. And then, then put into the scene. So okay, interesting. Yeah, it's. I finally was able to separate because I even had the book when I was a kid. I, I did a book report on it, and I finally got to watch it. Um, and I was just like, "This is so slow." Because I think a lot of people were sold on this being like a Star Wars kind of movie. You got Han Solo back. You got this futuristic cars flying around, and it's just it's a film noir. It's cyber noir, so you have to treat it like it's an old detective film instead. And that's where my brain had to. It finally switched over. Yeah, that's that. I think is also the thing is everyone's expecting one type of film, and they got a hard-boiled detective story. Yeah, and, and they just weren't disappointed by it. But I think as the years have gone on, obviously it's a huge hit now, and uh, you just have to change how. I hate it when they sell a movie incorrectly. It drives me nuts. Now, I guess I guess you should probably go and sequel notwithstanding, this say this film exists in a bubble. Do you agree that Deckard is a replicate or not? I never saw that. I never... I don't understand where they got that from, so I'm completely lost. Okay. There's a couple of... There are a couple of things that... So one of the... The the biggest part is... After uh, he gets his ass kicked by Leon and Rachel saves him... Uh-huh. And he, he, there's a shot where he's he's talking to her. He goes around, you know, and gets behind her. And he's got the same eye shine that she does. All oh. the Republicans have this oh, yeah. have this eye shine. Okay, I saw that. And I wasn't so, sure what that was. I thought maybe that was just the way the light was hitting it, but now that completely makes sense, and I feel stupid for not catching it before. Yeah, all all the replicants have that. Uh, there's also, I mean, all sorts of things like there's kind of how people treat, you know, kind of kind of talk to him, have a little bit of uh, like there's there there lines, especially from Graf. The Ever James Almost character, uh-huh. who kind of who kind of like says things in a way that'd be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you're a robot too, aren't you, you fucking robot?" Because part of it is like, uh, Ty- uh, where is it? Uh, Tyrell and Deckard are talking at one point, and he's talking about giving them memories and stuff like that. And you have uh, literally conversations with like, you know, going. Yeah, robots wouldn't even know that they're robots. You know, case in point, I have a robot here who has memories. She yeah. doesn't know she's a robot. Okay, that makes uh, sense. The, the unicorn dream, that's a shot from, that was basically just a shot lifted from Legend. Uh-huh. Uh, that, and then later on, uh, Graf, who makes those little uh, little origami things, does a uh, unicorn at the very end of the film. Right, okay, I wonder what that was about. I thought that was just him, that he had been there and it was safe. And they can go, they won't get uh, chased down. Because it's her that's well, the that's, big deal, right? Yeah, it's, that's the thing. She's definitely a robot. 
him is questioned, because that opens up all kinds of stuff. If, if Decker's a replicate, who are his memories? And I, I always kind of like, I do like the idea that he is a robot and that his memories are actually ever James Albos's. Okay, interesting. And which is, which is kind of why Olmos is kind of a dick, half, you know, most of the time, is he has almost his, uh, all of his uh, background stuff. They just kind of remove his facial, you know, his facial awareness, so he doesn't know that he is, he'd be literally looking in a mirror. Okay. He seems anytime Ford sees almost. But yeah, there's just, there's a lot of stuff in this film where you can start going, you know, hey, let's have a discussion about, you know, the transhuman themes and stuff like that. What does it mean to be human? Yeah, it's, and... it's everybody in it is pretty fucking fascinating. Uh, the simple fact that this is where Rudger Hauer became a thing. Yes, he was in uh, Nighthawks the year before, and that had done well. But this is where they're like, this guy could be a leading man. And uh, he just fascinates me. And everybody in this is really good. Um, I forget sometimes that there was a, a time when Brian James wasn't and completely insane on screen. <laughs> he was just kind of laid back. <laughs> But I love that interrogation scene because you don't know what the fuck is going on the first time you see it. And you're just like, why are you asking? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, just like it's weird. I, I still don't understand the Voight-Kampf test exactly. What's a, how you're supposed to... How it gets these... Yeah, I understand the idea of emotional responses and that the, they don't have emotions. Uh-huh. But it's like... But, okay, Leon, our first, the first replicate we see you know, immediately freaks the fuck out and kills, you know, kills the guy. Okay. So that would, that if anyone took that test, they'd kind of, you know, twitch and then do their head explodes or something. But you have Roy Batty, who waxes poetic all the time. He, he doesn't seem to have an issue, you know, thinking in abstract. Right. Like, uh, the whole thing where when he dies, I mean, that, that whole monologue that he made, that Rutger Howard made up about the sea, you know, seeing the sea beams off of Ryan's shoulder and all that stuff, which is, goddamn, a beautiful, beautiful bit of, of nonsense <laughs> that, that just comes off, you know, tears in the rain. Just, my God. When he died, you know, and everybody posted a video of that scene because out of anything that man did and that dad did some great work that might be his best his best monologue ever yeah it's it's truly he's more of the star in the second half of the movie once because it takes forever he's kind of left off to the side where you follow Deckard around and then all of a sudden he comes in like a fucking freight train and he just owns that last section well, he owns every scene that he's in. He owns because he's got this intensity where he doesn't have to do anything, and you are immediately afraid of him. Yeah, it's it is surprising, like how much he does with so with not even just looks, it's body language, it's everything. Where you're afraid of this guy, and you haven't seen him lift a finger. He's not threatening anybody. He's not. Right, there's granted, something behind his smile that is unnerving. Yeah, and granted, like the scene with James Hong, you, he's got other people doing stuff, so obviously, yeah, he's the big bad, because there's definitely a lot of threatening going on, but it's, he's just having a conversation. These other people are assholes. You know, Rucker <laughs> Howard's just, just talking. Yeah. 
but it's when he when he actually meets Tyrell and you know crushes the guy you know you know crushes his eyes into his skull and oh, all that stuff. God. And you're just like, and but it's the pain that he has on it where it's just like, oh God, he's killing he's killing his father. You know, he's killing his god, and it's he is so pained by the fact that there's nothing that can be done for him. It just, yeah, so such a damn good movie. It is, and it took me so long. I feel bad that it took me this long to get into it. But my god, yeah, it's that. It, that's the film where, yeah, it. There's a good reason why now it's people like this movie not that's weird did you just realize that there's there's long gaps in all these sequels well of course you said dark crystal's a prequel it just dawned on me all these movies didn't do very well in the theaters but ended up getting belated continuations beastmaster was the first and they went it had a sequel in 91 but that's nine years later dark crystal just recently tron and and, you know it took till 2010 and blade runner until a few years ago that's amazing all these movies had life afterwards even though at the time they're considered to be stinkers financially yeah well actually I should ask you this, though. Would you see the Blade Runner sequel if you haven't already? I have. It's good. Another one where I need to have more patience. (laughs) Because I think that that definitely, of the sequels that that are listed, I think that's the one that does the first film justice. Yeah, it's the only one that really holds up. Well, I think Tron Legacy is still better than the first movie, but uh, it's, it's such a high thing to comp you know Blade Runner is considered maybe by some the greatest sci-fi movie ever made and to make a sequel to the greatest sci-fi movie ever made is really an impossible task yeah and yet you make a film that's at least if not it's definitely not better but at least on equal footing right well is that it for us I think that is it for us so we've come to the end of the road alright I'll stop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> terrible alright so next year obviously in 1983 what do we have coming up in 1983 do you remember oh heck I do not remember alright so I have to dig into our notes Twilight Zone the movie Videodrome Smurfs in the Magic Flute I'm making him watch the original American cut because I cannot stand <laughs> I cannot stand the British version that got released by Shout Factory a few years ago yes I know it's the original voice recordings I don't like it it's not funny um, and hopefully I can find Strange Invaders. If not, we'll find a, a third movie to add to that. Or a fourth movie to add to that. But, yeah, it's, I've never seen the first movie, to my knowledge. And Videodrome, though, is definitely one that I like, and it makes me feel dirty to like. <laughs> oh, I know what my backup was. If I can't find Strange Invaders, I have Brainstorm with Christopher Walken, Natalie Wood's final film. Oh, Okay. All right, so that's emergency backup. We need to. We all. I talked about doing ET. I watched ET. How the fuck did ET beat every single movie for years on end? <laughs> so many good movies. <laughs> what it took like twenty years. I think Titanic is the only movie that beat it, right? Uh, I think that record stood for like, fifteen. Years. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would think so. It's okay. It's a technical marvel, and I didn't care. I just was bored. I can't can't uh, fight the power of the beard Spielberg uh, well and then actually Cameron had a beard too so amazing interesting maybe the beard who who what do the guys look like that directed the Avengers movies those two brothers they don't have beards do they or do they one of them might okay <laughs> we're wandering off the ranch here alright everybody have a good night check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast and where can we find you 
I'm on Twitter, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. That spells musician. Yes. And on weekends, I'll be out in the woods hunting people down that are camping in the wrong area. You're doomed. You're doomed. 